Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 16th episode of the Overanalysts podcast, bringing you commentary and news surrounding gaming as both a culture and an industry, as well as related topics from the broader fields of tech and entertainment. My name is Brady, or the Overanalyst on Twitch and associated platforms, and I'm joined as always by my good friends Martina, or Seth the Overwitch. Hello. And Mate, or Comrade Potato. Ahoy. And today we're going to be taking another deep dive into the history of one of gaming's most, I would have said famous prior to around 2017, but most notorious studios. Developer and publisher Bethesda Softworks. Um, We're going to be taking a look at Bethesda's history, but focusing, I think, on what they've done most recently, roughly within the, the lifespan of the past two console generations. Because... Really, guys, when you think about it, starting from around the release of Elder Scrolls Oblivion um, in 06, that was probably their most high-profile release that introduced them to a lot of people as a household name. Mm -hmm. They took, what, right around 10 years to gain widespread acclaim and then just run all of that goodwill aground overnight? Oh, yeah, that they basically just, you know, uh, used the good name as toilet paper. Exactly. And what I really want to focus on is, well, what does Bethesda actually do? What have they actually made? Because, friends, when you think about Bethesda or Bethesda Softworks as a name, you're either thinking about them as a publisher or you're seeing them as a developer through the lens of IPs that they acquired after they had already become quite successful on their own. The case that I'm going to advance is this. Bethesda's almost universal appeal that they had cultivated with titles like Oblivion, um, Fallout 3, Skyrim, the re-release of Skyrim the second re-release of Skyrim, Skyrim for Alexa, Skyrim on your phone, Skyrim in your dreams, Skyrim haunting your nightmares. Um, Skyrim for your toaster? You forgot forgot, about that one. You forgot Skyrim VR? Yes. Yes, that that is true. Um, My argument is going to be that they maybe haven't earned that sterling reputation despite releasing a couple really commendable games for the times in which they saw release, and that Bethesda as a company overall has had a history that at best could be described as mixed and at worst could be described as a little shady and antagonistic. Oh, yeah. So I guess the best place to start before we dig into, like, a history and presenting, like, information would just be explaining our personal history with Bethesda or their their products. So, guys, what... What's your experience with Bethesda and their wide range of IPs that they swear they love? (laughs) Oh, Mate, feel free to go first. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll go first. Well, I don't know, like, uh, I think the most of their, like, games I've played is uh, Fallout, of course. Mm -hmm. Elder Scrolls, duh. And I think that's pretty much it of their games. Like, like... What else did have they made? Exactly. Yeah, like and I'm trying Fallout, to think too. You mean Fallout Three and Fallout Four? Because we're going to get into this. Those are the only two Fallout titles that Bethesda actually made. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean the uh, previous ones or New Vegas, which is actually good. Yeah, New yeah. Vegas is the best one. Yeah. 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 It, the same goes for me. Like I can only think about. Uh, Fallout and Elder Scrolls. I mean, I heard that they were also involved with the Doom reboot. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if they actually made it or just published it, though. They just published it. Okay, great. What about Dishonored? They also just published it, right? That is correct. Dishonored was made by Arcane Studios, who mm-hmm. are currently working on the extremely interesting-looking Deathloop. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, And for my, for my part, I... Uh, I actually grew up, so to speak, like my early adolescence was spent with actual Bethesda-developed games. I uh, I want to say Fallout 3 was the first, like, pseudo-open-world RPG I really got into, despite mm-hmm. hating post-apocalyptic fiction and settings in general. 
There's just something I found really compelling about it. Despite the fact that Fallout 3 kind of runs like a garbage truck that somebody lit on fire, um, the world and honestly the writing for the time, for like a console RPG at the time, I thought were pretty good, pretty um, engaging. Um, And I must have put God around 200 hours into Elder Scrolls Oblivion. So, just one small digression. Uh, I've just opened up the Wikipedia list of Mm -hmm. Bethesda Softworks video games, and then you actually have a a column that says developers, so you you can have either Bethesda as a developer or somebody else. I can genuinely tell you I do not recognize the single freaking name of a video game that Bethesda made. So, just... Uh... There's Just also Bethesda Game, game Studios. studios. Ah, yeah. yes. okay. And Game Studios made basically what you would expect. Uh, Elder Scrolls titles starting with Morrowind in 2002. Virtually all of the Fallout products since 2008 except New Vegas. Including, mm-hmm. um, of course, mobile game uh, Fallout Shelter and the uh, smash hit Fallout 76, which had absolutely... No issues, no qualms, no outrage surrounding it whatsoever. Um, and a drag racing game released in 2004 uh, for the PlayStation. Yeah, IHRA Professional Drag Racing 2004. A drag! I heard drug racing. Uh, no, no. they uh, uh, That game was released before they announced their partnership with Viper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um... So no, Bethesda themselves as a development house, at least since the year 2000, made quite a few very big open world um, action. Can we call them action RPGs given the way Bethesda combat tends to work or would just RPGs be? Uh, RPGs. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it, RPGs. That's RPGs. Let's Um, not be too anal about it. Too many people are too anal about, you know, genres and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They've made a few, like pretty big open world RPGs. Yeah. Um and they've made well, I see Skyrim listed here no fewer than 3 times. <laughs> um wow. that's that's incorrect. There 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 needs to be more than 3 times. Well, no, they recognized 3 completely distinct products. The base release, Skyrim Special Edition, and Skyrim VR. Oh, um, like, <laughs> I I hear I see here uh 3 also, but it says Skyrim, Microsoft Windows, Skyrim, PlayStation 3, Skyrim, Xbox 360. Oh, right, no, there were the three different versions of the base product, too. Jesus. Um, but my, my point is, Bethesda themselves have made very sizable games, but they have not made, since 2000, very many games. They've made quite a few mobile or spin-off titles that tend to be you know, um, simple kind of exploitative. I've heard that for, like, a free-to-play, like, mobile game, Fallout Shelter isn't bad. Take yeah. that for what you will. Yeah, yeah, I tried it out. It's actually quite quite good, but it has, you know, that same old mechanic. Like, if you want to play a bit more and have a bit more things to do, uh, give us money, money. It incentivizes um, the use of microtransactions. Yeah. Or... Have, have they also made um, Elder Scrolls Blades? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, I liked it at the start, but then every single move I made that required me to pay with a credit card, and I was yep. like, uh, yet. Uh, from what I've heard, Elder Scrolls Blades is actually one of the most egregious exploitative games of its type that like oh, yeah. a big studio has released. Mm. Um, and I've heard also, you can you can attest to this, Tina, it's very simple. Oh, aside. yeah, it's really bland and really simple. Excellent. Just like Midwestern food. Um, So, yeah, Bethesda themselves have made games that you are probably familiar with. And they've probably made at least one game, considering our audience, that you've played. Probably. Odds are unlikely that you didn't enjoy at least one of these. I like Fallout 3. I think Fallout 4 is solid for what it is. I really like Oblivion. And, of course, I've played Skyrim twice. I'm pretty sure everybody has. Um, I wish it was only twice. (laughs) But Bethesda themselves haven't made 
very many games there. I would say you're more familiar probably with the plethora of titles and franchises that they've published Mm -hmm. as Bethesda Softworks, including such hard-hitting, phenomenal IPs as the modern Wolfenstein titles. Oh, yeah. The interesting Japanese um, survival horror duology, The Evil Within. Mm-hmm. Um, Arcane Studios' entire output, um, including um, both Dishonored, sorry, all three Dishonored titles and the upcoming Deathloop, The Prey reboot. Wait, uh, Dishonored has three titles? Yes, Dishonored, Dishonored 2, and then the standalone um, spinoff from Dishonored 2, I want to say Death of the Outsider. Yeah, ah, okay. Which is phenomenal for the record. Um, I've not played anything beyond like the first few chapters of the first Dishonored, but um, a friend of mine who is really, really passionate about the series like walked me through mm-hmm. um, the entire, um, I guess, trilogy. And I have to say, second game has some really serious rough spots, but Jesus Christ can Arcane put together a really impressive and immersive product. You know what really bothers me? Like, mm. yes, they have not developed it, they just published the game, but they make sure to put their name so big at the starting mm-hmm. like screen of the games that people just associate Bethesda with all of those games. Yeah, like they, they published the new Doom series, but hey, wait. They've also published a licensed Pirates of the Caribbean game in the mid-2000s. Great. Um, and also I Home think, Alone, I think, on the Atari or something. Uh, I'm not seeing that. I am seeing Wayne Gretzky Hockey. Wait, let me see. Uh, they, made a, oh, or they, yes. they published a couple Terminator games. Um, they published Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth, which people think is all right. Uh, made, oh, Jesus Christ. There, there is Home Alone for the NES, October 1st, 1991. They actually developed that one. Also a Where's Waldo game for some reason. Hold on, hold on a minute. Like, let's, I, I know we're di- digressing a lot because we're just digging through this company's history. Let's focus on Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth for a second, because fittingly for its genre and themes, this title was created... Uh, by like this convalescence or not convalescence um this this kind of collaboration between various dark and eldritch powers published jointly by bethesda and ubisoft with support from 2k games okay everyone get in on that one <laughs> yeah like jesus christ how, how many companies do you have for to publish that jesus as far as the really really awful publishers go the only ones that were missing there are ActaBlizz and EA. Yep. Um, and Bethesda probably won't work with EA or around EA for reasons we'll get into momentarily. But yeah, Bethesda has more likely published games you've heard of than actually developed them. Yep. Um, as far as I'm aware, the Elder Scrolls series is completely their own product. Um, with... A couple exceptions, like a a branch studio handled Elder Scrolls Online, for instance, and things like that. Yeah, but that but is there. Mm-hmm. Like Go ahead. The it was done by Zenimax, but like Zenimax and Bethesda are owned by the same company. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's what I said. It was like a little branch studio, I think, largely made up of Bethesda employees, Zenimax Online Studios, or something like that. But the idea is. They did almost everything related to the Elder Scrolls series that has been released. Period. Fallout, they actually inherited from... Who was it originally? Interplay? Uh, yeah, Interplay. Interplay, they, they, yeah. They, they, they bought it from Interplay. All the They bought all the rights to Fallout from Interplay. After the release of, I want to say, Fallout Tactics. Uh, um, I think so. Because the first two Fallout games that really established the setting, the tone, and the general ethos of Fallout as a franchise, made by completely different people. Bethesda had nothing to do with that. Um, The Fallout title, which, as far as I'm aware, has received the most universal acclaim um, from critics and players alike following the acquisition of the franchise, Fallout New Vegas, was developed by our good friends over at Obsidian um, Entertainment. And, well, not Bethesda personnel. And 
The fact that Obsidian worked on it instead of Bethesda's folks is kind of evident because that game has a much greater emphasis on storytelling and character development and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, in my opinion, the best Fallout product I've ever set hands on. Oh, yeah. Um, Bethesda also did not publish or develop, of course, the original Wolfenstein titles or the original Doom titles. Um, so really, they seem to be... They occupy this weird space in the gaming industry, right? Where people hear Bethesda and they think of them as a developer because they do work in that capacity to some extent. Yep. But really, they're any more more a publisher than anything else. And they act like one. Yeah. Um, Bethesda has done some shady things. They've done some kind of scummy things in regards to designing products and the ways in which they wish their audiences to engage with them. And more than anything else, this is kind of what I want to focus on. They have adopted an ethos towards game development that is almost laughably indolent. Lazy. Um, And it's finally starting to kind of rein them in. Yeah? So, really quickly, because Tina, you you, uh, found this for us, this Polygon article. Mm -hmm. Why don't you give us a rundown of Bethesda's legal history? Because as it happens, the friendly... Like, self-effacing, affable developers of such hits as Fallout 76 and Elder Scrolls Blades and Elder Scrolls 6 eventually um, have had a really sordid past in the courts, and especially regarding aggressive, like, um, protection of copyright. Overly aggressive. Um, yeah, basically, I, I was quite surprised about this, um, well, not about this article, but about how many legal issues Bethesda had regarding words, mm-hmm. uh, normal words people use in your average life. I mean, um, so, like, th- I want to mention three of them because they are absolutely ridiculous. Um Let's see, let's see, let's see. The latest one was in 2017. Uh, There was this Kickstarter project called Pray for the Gods, and that actually looked quite nice, kind of had a bit of um, a Shadow of the Colossus vibe to it. And Bethesda kind of threatened them because they publish uh, the game series Prey, and they Mm -hmm. did not want them to be confused. uh, So they... Um, yeah, they, they basically force them to change the name or face the lawsuit because apparently they're not allowed to use the word prey. Um, ju- just to make it clear, they do not own the rights to the word prey, but you know, when a Kickstarter project uh, gets um, threatened by a big name like Bethesda, they kind of don't really have yeah. much of a choice. And to be clear, the types of legal claims they're making... Um, which we've seen other companies do before, right? Like King with Saga, mm-hmm. for instance, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, is medium specific. So, and this is not meant to be a defense, just clarification for our audience. Bethesda is not asserting that they have the sole right to use the word um, prey or the word scrolls, which we'll get into in a minute, mm-hmm. um, exclusively in any form, in any context. But rather, they are claiming that they reserve the exclusive right to use those words in the marketing or nomenclature of video games. Yep. So uh, the next one that I want to mention is a video game made by a YouTuber called Captain Sparkles. You know that for some reason, YouTubers like making those really small, like 2D video games. And this one is called Fortress Fallout. Well, it was called Fortress Fallout because Bethesda's legal department was like, no, 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 you got to rename that. You cannot use the word Fallout. And uh, Captain Sparkles kind of had to, you know, give up because uh, his lawyer said that, and I quote, Bethesda is a notoriously litigious company. (laughs) 
Uh, and they make sure to show everyone that they have uh, a lot of money and a lot of resources and they're not going to stop until they destroy you. So since, you know, a YouTuber, like mm-hmm. your average YouTuber, even bigger names don't have that much money, at least not anymore because of all the ad changes and whatever. So, yep, yeah, most of them just cannot fight it. And, and I will say yeah. for our audience, I'm looking at a screenshot of this game right now. Um, it looks very by the numbers looks like a cheap little um physics battler where like you use catapults to fling um mm-hmm. objects at like your opponent's castle and vice versa um this looks well i don't know i i imagine it look it is very cheap right mm-hmm. very yeah. simple can you imagine somebody at Bethesda seeing this and be like, wait, Fallout, they're going to confuse this with our multi-million dollar RPG. Yeah, of course. They're oh, going to think it's the same. Either that or, oh God, oh no, they're on to us. They know what direction we're taking the series. We've got to act oh, fast. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, go ahead. Oh, like, I'm also not trying to defend them because all of that is bullshit, but sort of, I think the way their thinking is... Um, if anyone would think this is one of our games, this is kind of cheaply made, and they'll mm-hmm. think we made this crap, even though <laughs> the expensive th- games they made are kind of crap due to all the fucking bugs. I think anyone who plays the game experiences no bugs will immediately know it's not from Bethesda. I was about yeah. to say, like, their legal argument is, hey, wait a minute. This isn't our cheaply made exploitative mobile experience. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I I can kind of see it for the word fallout because it's not, you know, your everyday used word. Usually when you say, uh, use the word fallout, it's either in a time of extreme crisis, which thankfully we don't have right now, or at least not that kind, or in, in the term of the fallout games, right? So... I can kind of see the 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 you know the reasoning behind that, but I, the, like the word prey, like I, I would not associate it with the prey the game. I mean, prey is a very common word. No, and just just for what I I, I feel we ought to do this. I've done a little bit of research into prey for the gods. It looks like a very interesting, beautifully crafted title. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of fuses elements of Shadow of the Colossus and very light survival elements. Yeah. If that sounds like something any of you guys would be interested in, please go check it out and support the developers who really put a lot of love and care into this project, clearly. Yeah. And Um, uh, the third naming uh, issue with Bethesda that is a pretty big one, and I'm sure everyone's heard about it, but that one was versus Mojang, everyone's beloved creator of Minecraft. So since Minecraft took off so nicely, they decided to uh, get their hands dirty and make another game, which they called Scrolls. What was it? Was the card-based, tactical, fighter kind of game. Um, kind of like uh, the Riot's game, uh, what's it called? Team Fight Tactics, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've seen this type of like competitive deck yeah. building game yeah. before. And if you've been on Steam and just spent time scrolling their store, you've definitely been recommended titles like this. It's kind of a fusion of what appears to be a grid-based like tactical RPG yeah. and a game like, uh, like Hearthstone. Yeah, and so... Uh, I love the way that the Mojang chief wanted to settle the dispute, and that was w- via a Quake 3 tournament. <laughs> of course, Bethesda <laughs> said, fuck no. Um, apparently, they settled it somehow uh, privately. They didn't go to court in the end. And as far as we know, Mojang was allowed to keep the name, but they did end up renaming it, and now it's called Caller's Bane, and it's free to play for everyone that wants to check it out. I mean... I can see why Bethesda didn't want to accept that challenge because like, you know, as soon as their character loaded into like the Quake 3 arena, you know, they would just fall straight through the floor and (laughs) that would be it. Uh, Maybe they just didn't want to set the legal precedent, you know, just (laughs) trial by Quake. Man, that'd be the best. (laughs) Yeah, it would. Like, uh, people under investigation for financial crimes have to, like, take on the Crown Esports team. Mm. <laughs> um, no, that that would be awesome. Like, a, a more humane, modernized version of Trial by Combat. I love it. 
I love it. it. Here's the thing. Again, this is one of those situations, like several of the legal disputes we could cover today, where I don't particularly like either party. Yeah. Um, Bethesda are problematic, obviously. And I will say, just for the record, the like Mojang chief and like former lead developer on Minecraft has espoused some really horrible, truly abominable ideas. Um, his his politics are deplorable to me uh, in many ways, and so there's no good guy here, but there is yeah. somebody who's in the right. Mojang are in the right. Yeah. Like, people aren't going to look at this and be like, oh, scrolls, like the Elder Scrolls. Yeah, of course. That that's like saying every game that incorporates firearms is ripping off COD. Yeah, which people there's... have done before. Yeah, but there's also the thing where, like, if I play a game and I'm like, "Hmm, is 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 this connected to Elder Scrolls?" and I'll just you know, people do a quick Google and oh, it's not. Of course, yeah. it's fucking not. But also, you know why they sort of came to an agreement with Mojang? Because Mojang is not a small company that they can just push around. Yeah. Because they could actually fight back. Yep. That's why, like, most of their lawsuits are bullshit. Like, yeah. they know they can't win. If anyone has the time and money to actually go against them, they're going to lose or they're going to go bankrupt. Yeah. Right. But they don't care because for most uh, of the smaller ones, the smaller developers, it's just going to be easier to rename the game. Yeah, of course. Um, Which is absolute bullshit. They're dealing with, like... We're dealing with a company, a really influential company, mind you, that um, has engaged in what amounts to copyright trolling. Yeah. Like, on a professional scale. Mm-hmm. They don't have the copyright, but... Yeah, you cannot fight them because they have a stronger legal team, so... Suck it. More money, just more money. Not even a strong legal team, just yeah. more money. Another one of the ridiculous um, things revolving um, Bethesda was in 2012 against a Fallout fan. So there was a, a guy that was yep. genuinely so in love with Fallout that he decided to make some fan art of it. And with the fan art, he decorated his own room. What he did afterwards is he um, took... Um, digital versions online wasn't uh, receiving any money for it. It was there so that people can see it. Bethesda sent a cease and desist letter. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, he you know, took everything down. But since he was a law student, he made sure to send them a reply back, completely tearing apart the, uh, their legal arguments and saying like, you know, you could have at least sent me the f a friendly letter first. And I would have complied. Yeah. Right. Um, so first off, kudos to that guy. Kudos to uh, Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Because being a single student and like a really passionate fan, being willing to take on and deconstruct the arguments of this m corporate conglomerate is just amazing in my eyes. Yeah. Um, but secondly, this is the kind of thing that we see Nintendo do all the time, right? Oh, With yeah. like free, free fan projects. Like yeah. the notion here... And you see this more commonly in and around, I want to say, like, the environment of Japanese development and publication houses. Mm -hmm. But that Bethesda is adopting is that profit obviously matters. I mean, but duh. that these, these corporate entities, these developers, these publisher, publishers, really, these IP rights holders reserve the exclusive legal right to present, interpret, and craft products related to that IP mm -hmm. in the wider world. In other words, it doesn't matter if you intend to make money from this or not. You created a product which we do not intend to exist, and therefore yeah. it shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. If there are to be Fallout fan posters, or Fallout um, posters, or glossy wall art, or what have you, we're going to create it as and we see fit. You cannot contribute to this universe in such a way. It's absolutely ridiculous because if the guy was making money off of it, then I would understand. Of course. It, it was just an appreciation of their game. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
And the, the idea behind this kind of... The first thing that comes to mind is that nasty little disclaimer that um, Blizzard included in Warcraft 3 Refunded, stating that they own the exclusive rights, like, well in advance... Oh, yeah. um, to any like custom games or maps or modes created with their assets, right? Like yeah. in the, the mod engine. They're saying, we're not going to make money from this now, but we reserve the exclusive right to make money from this kind of thing in the future, so please don't. Yeah, like if you uh, even think of making another Dota and making it so popular, it's going to be ours. So thank you for that in advance. This is really sad to me to see this one case in particular, and I'm sorry we're taking so much time here, but it's because you've got someone really passionate about this property who's really busy. They're a law student, and believe me, I've I've been very, very close to like many full-time law students. You cannot believe how hard those people work. Um, and, well, they're taking the time out to contribute to a fandom that they yeah. love. A fandom now. They're not doing this for Bethesda. They're doing it for the fan community. And yeah. Bethesda, if you listen to their official rhetoric, adores and relies on their fandom. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, exclusively. The I mean... issue is they're taking actions completely without merit, antagonistic toward that fandom. Yeah. And that's very sad to see. Yeah, I, I mean, like, if I was Bethesda and I actually stood behind my words when I said that, you know, fandom is really important to me, what I would do in this case is be like, okay, this guy is distributing fan art of our property, but hey, this is not bad. And also it would kind of, you know, uh, spread a good word if we supported mm -hmm. a fan that yes. in his free time is showing appreciation for our game. Like, if they, for example, retweeted his stuff or... You know, maybe even be like, hey, we're going to buy a few of your posters or something like that. I think that fandom would go crazy yeah. about uh, about it. So. Like, like, if it were me, if it were like my IP, my project, I would like politely ask for one of the paper or posters to hang in my office. Yeah. And I would send him a bunch of like our merch. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe a really nice canvas bag. Oh, shit. Um. Um, like, uh, a nice bottle of Nuka Dark Rum. No, can't, can't do that either. Um, a power armor helmet. Oh, fuck. <laughs> we'll get into that later on. Uh, but yeah, do what you can to not just reward engagement. That sounds a little condescending. But like, show your fans, the people who are passionate about your products, that you're passionate about them and theirs, and that you appreciate them being there to do more than just pay for your product, but mm -hmm. also to bring it to life in the world around them. Fandom's one of the most brilliant, most exciting, and most important elements uh, in this kind of world of fiction creation, you know? All right. No, fuck them. All we want is their money and they can fuck off then. Okay, yay. So, oh! Yeah? Sorry, I'm seeing here, we may want to discuss this, or sorry, I would like your take on this, uh, Tina. They sued Interplay! Yeah, th th that is actually what I was gonna go in right now. So, so far we've been discussing, you know, um, mostly lawsuits and shit regarding smaller <laughs> players, but they sued Interplay after buying their franchise. Less than two years after! Yes. <laughs> oh. so, so basically, in 2007, as we all know, uh, all of the Fallout uh, copyrights went from Interplay to Bethesda. Um, yes. Except a small deal that said that Interplay can still create a Fallout MMO, which they, they were planning on doing, if mm -hmm. they can meet certain criteria. Uh, they announced it, it was in production, and then Bethesda was like, nope, lawsuit. And, um, yeah, because the company was like, you don't have enough funding for this MMO and we don't want it to um, go in, in the market at the same time as our Fallout 3. So, you know what? We're going to sue you. And mm -hmm. that happened in 2009. And it took a, a lot of years to sort that out, uh, three years in total. And in the end, Bethesda actually gave money to Interplay, about $2 million, which is honestly pocket change in, uh, um, in game development. 
at least in 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 uh, a context of a big name such as Bethesda, uh, and Interplay released um, agreed not to release the MMO. Yep. yep. But like this, like I don't know how well uh, made they had like the stuff for the MMO already when Bethesda said this doesn't like meet the agreed criteria. But if it actually didn't, then this one might actually be a reasonable lawsuit for once in like their history. Because yeah, but... it is like it is this is genuinely a fallout game. So if this was bad, then this probably would drive people away from other Fallout games. So I, I this one maybe they were in the right. Like yeah, I no, said, this one, I don't know this one is legally ambiguous. You're right. Yeah, but but it is funny. Yeah, and, it's and funny also, for two reasons. Well, for me, the funny thing is you already purchased all of the Fallout related copyrights. Why did you not make sure that any sort of uh, potential MMO that Interplay was going to release also either has enough funding, since it is your name now, and you can just, you know, let them finish it as they were, they started it anyways, and put your name behind it as one of the um, publishers. Publishers, yeah, exactly. So firstly, they could have done that, but secondly... I, I don't know, just letting them um, letting them work on it for two more years and then be like, nope, lawsuit. Well, you see, Tina, like, Bethesda clearly cares very deeply about, like, the Fallout MMO experience. And they wanted to take almost a further 10 years to ensure that they really got it right when they released something like that to the public. They wanted you know? to properly release a piece of crap, not rush a release. Yeah, no, they, they really they really wanted to, to let that one simmer for a while. Mm. And No, so I, I find it, Mate, you're absolutely right. They do have some ambiguous legal ground to stand on here, maybe as unethical as it is. Yeah. But, um, they, uh, they take almost another decade, and the product they ultimately release as an MMO, I think, is far worse than anything Interplay oh, yeah. could have created. Fun, fun, properly funded or no. Um, Fallout 76, Jesus, like Bioware, we might have to split this one up into two episodes. <laughs> one just focusing on Bethesda's history and, like, kind of shady legal past... And then maybe one episode focusing on Fallout 76 and um, their more recent projects, yeah? Oh, I was um, thinking more like all the bad things they did in one episode and in the other, all the worst things they did. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, say we have we like... An episode on all the good things they did, we'd be here for like 45 seconds then. All yeah. right, thank you. We'll see you next time. <laughs> no, but like... Uh, that was a more, quickie. One more thing about the interplay uh, lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like you said, Seth, 2 million is a pocket change in game dev world. So if Interplay had a leg to stand on, they probably would not agree to 2 million yeah. after 3 years. Yeah. So I- I'm assuming they, they, they kind of were making a crappy game. Which might mean that the 2 million that Bethesda gave them, they actually bought code for the MMO from them. And that's where Fallout 76 came from. <laughs> oh, right. It was an underfunded, barely started RPG from 2007. Yep. It all makes sense now. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, like, Well, no, they, they added one thing. They made sure to reskin the dragons from Skyrim and put them in there. Of course. Really of course, it's an actual dragons. thing they did. But also, I'm guessing Interplay didn't get half time to put in any NPCs, and that's why Fallout 76 didn't have any. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, who goes, I'm gonna make an MMO, but let's take away all the fun things that MMO has, like NPC fucking interactions. You know the, the most incredible thing about this to me? Obviously, they were different different teams. We're going to have to talk about Fallout 76, I think, in its own episode because there's just too much there. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. guys, the same publisher oversaw development of ESO, Elder Scrolls Online, which was mm-hmm. a little rough at launch, but broadly is considered to be of pretty high quality. Oh, yeah. People yeah, yeah. like the game. People like the business model that isn't 
for something of that nature ridiculously exploitative in its current incarnation. People like the world and the lore and all this. I play ESO very sporadically, and yeah, it's it's okay. Fine. You want some more Elder Scrolls world building and exploration? There you go. How the fuck do you go from that to this? Uh, yep. How Crazy. do you decide our second MMO is going to take all the lessons we learned from the first and just throw them in the garbage? easy because they didn't make ESO. They had another company do it right. Yeah, of course. Well, they, they had a branch. Again, it was Zenimax Online. I think it was a lot of Bethesda employees who got like kind of moved over, transferred. Yeah, to the apparently all the good ones. Yeah, clearly. Meanwhile, uh, um, Bethesda probably spent a good three months trying to communicate to their internal development team that no, we're, we're serious. You're not having to make Skyrim again. <laughs> we promise no more Skyrim for this year. They, they had to tell like the two of the artists to take the guard uniforms off. Uh, they, they were finally able to coax uh, Dave out of the closet where he had just been rocking back and forth, muttering to himself in the dragon tongue. Fusrada, Fusrada, Fusrada. Oh, like, like they, it was a healing, it was a healing experience for the yep. dev team. <laughs> guys, 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 huh? hear me out. Skyrim on Android. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already see him jumping out of the window. <laughs> Fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> um, you know, maybe Skyrim is like the one true game. And all other games merely reflect facets of its nature. Oh, God. <laughs> like they are avatars of Skyrim. Uh, um, yeah, uh, and the last one I think we should probably cover is um, the, the one about g uh, Gridiron or gr Gridiron. Gridiron. Is gridiron. it Gridiron? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Y you want to take over that one? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I was just going to say gridiron is like a term popularly used to describe uh, football. American right. football. Right. So uh, that was the first ever game that Bethesda was actually making. Yeah. Uh, it was made, well, supposed to be made for Amiga and Atari. Um, it was just like some simple football simulation, you know, kind of games. Um, but since Electronic Arts kind of wanted on the whole genre and signed Bethesda, um, they kind of, you know, wanted to have all the rights on it. Mm -hmm. So they, they really wanted to get in on the whole thing. So they uh, shelved Bethesda's game and went, get, like, went ahead to develop their own game. And Bethesda was like, wait a minute. That's our game. We did that. Um, and uh, they, they accused EA of just like uh, cooking up the entire deal with them to get uh, the code. Well, that sounds like EA, all right. Like, again, I don't like EA. I don't like uh, Bethesda. Um, this is bad meets evil. Yeah, like. yeah, exactly. Um, the case was resolved uh, out of court, but yeah, so we don't really know what happened. I have not found any information around that, but that was like, wait, what? When was that? 1988. So yeah. So <laughs> Bethesda um, going back in their legal bullshit since 1988. Presumably, the case was resolved sometime around 1995 with mm -hmm. like, um, I don't know, in a round or two of Unreal. I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, so so apparently after that, um, Bethesda was founded actually on the back of the Gridiron's entire shenanigans. Um, and it was founded by Christopher Weaver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that the name? Yeah. Uh, right, and, and afterwards he also founded Zenimax Media, um, another name that we mentioned already. Uh, he ended up being uh, forced out um, in 2002, responded with a lawsuit uh, because they didn't pay him out. Uh, Zenimax countersued uh, because apparently Weaver has ac had access to some uh, private emails of employees or something like that. Uh, the case was settled out of court again. 
Uh, he's still uh, one of the bigger stakeholders, but he was like, uh, I'm never going back into game publishing because it's like a prison sentence. <laughs> so interesting so to compare, you know, something that should be fun and video games and shit to prison. Also, and I, I know there are challenges for them too, but when you're running the studio... <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, notice too... Prior to that, like, back half of the 2000s when they really started receiving just obscene amounts of money from major products released across multiple platforms, Bethesda seemed far more willing to settle privately or yeah. out of court on amicable terms. Oh, I, I wonder why. <laughs> Is it because of money? Well, yeah, it's because they can't, I, I don't know, hire the Disney legal hive minds to defend them. Oh, God. Uh, prior to that point imagine if disney bought fallout well no uh, imagine like uh, trying to argue in court against disney i i'm pretty sure that like just moments before the judge enters the chambers like the lights start flickering bells ring out in the distance like oh, ju just a black hole opens up suddenly ghostly disembodied chanting fills the courtroom and then like all goes dark for a couple seconds when the lights raise your defense counsel is just gone they <laughs> they were never there so I'm, like, it's I'm like assuming, kafka i'm <laughs> assuming if uh disney bought fallout they'd like open a theme park and <laughs> oh probably, my god they'd probably do it somewhere in chernobyl so they have to do <laughs> at the least amount of work by setting already... it up we already got a Fallout-themed park over here. It was called Action Park. Are you familiar? No. Uh, nope. It started as a ski resort that just wanted to add some water slides and the like for the off-season and grew into, like, a full-fledged, like, really um, high-octane, like, uh, adrenaline-focused... Um, uh, not exactly a theme park. It was more of an amusement park. There wasn't much in the way of theming. Mm -hmm. And Action Park was notorious for its decades of operation, for the ridiculous frequency with which people were injured on its rides. Wow. To the point where it was frequently known, colloquially, as either Traction Park or Class Action Park. <laughs> That's nice. Why not Bethesda Park? <laughs> well, no, see, the rides were dangerous, but they did work. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, imagine if Disney did open a theme park in Chernobyl. Like, it's exactly like Disneyland, except the six-foot mouse is real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. And, and the castle, the, instead of a castle, we just have something that used to be a grocery store, like, four, 50, 60 years ago. <laughs> wow. You guys... <laughs> Look, okay, Disney really had to focus on budget parks after the 1980s. Mm. Um, let me see. Hold on really quickly. Let me let me find you just one quick little action park story before we dive back into Bethesda. Uh, let's see. <laughs> all right. Well, it doesn't help that apparently everybody there was drunk all the time. The workers? And guests alike. Um, they, they had really relaxed enforcement of drinking age. So oh, okay. everybody was drunk. Um, let's see. I've got in a seven year period, at least one, two, three, four, six people died there. Oh, oh, nice. Um, let me see. It might have been one of those truth or dare kind of situations where people would like, OK, I dare you to go on this ride. It's usually the game that you play while you're drunk. So it kind of fits. Yeah, but like the impressive part is not that six people die there. It's the fact that six people over what did you say, Brady? Seven years died they died <laughs> yes. there, and they didn't get closed down. Right? Like they either shelled out a shit ton of money to pay to the victims' families, or they had one hell of a legal team. And uh, yeah. they they did not. I'm pretty sure. Get this. Hold on, really quickly. Let me read you the description of just one typical um, water attraction: the Aqua Scoot, with a with a K. Scoot. Um, <laughs> Scoot. Scoot. Invented by Ken Bailey in the early 1980s. I do not know if this is true, or sorry, if this is the ride. Rather, I know it's one ride. I think this might be the one. Um, Ken Bailey, if he's the guy I'm thinking of was actually just, like, either a janitor or, like, a maintenance man. 
who invented this ride. Okay. Invented by Bailey in the early 1980s, riders would carry a hard, solid plastic sled up to the top of the ride, go down a slide consisting of rollers akin to those found in factories, warehouses, or assembly lines, and end up in a pool that in most areas was no deeper than a puddle. The idea of the ride was to, once the sled hit the water, skip across the water like a stone. In order to do this, the rider had to be in a certain position, leaned back. If the rider was not in this position, the sled would sink into the water as soon as it hit the pool, flinging the rider off head first, which often resulted in head injuries. Other times, riders would be leaving the pool only to have others crash into them as they were riding. This ride consisted of parallel slides originally. At some point in the mid-80s, a third slide was added. Each was 30 feet, or just over 9 meters, long. The slides were removed when IntraWest took over the resort in 1998. Yeah, that wow. was that was one. That was a roller standard... coaster of a description. Wait, yeah, what basically... did you say that it's called? Aqua scoot. So more like aqua yeet. Aqu- aqua shoot yo ass into other riders. <laughs> no, it was basically somebody just riding a garbage can lid down industrial equipment wow. into a puddle. Nice. What could go wrong? <laughs> so many things. Man, that kind of sounds, to... sounds like an amusement park in Croatia. <laughs> like in the olden days, though, we have great things now. We need to stream, uh, like I don't know, amusement park or roller coaster tycoon together at some point right. in the future. <laughs> you know that we're just gonna kill everyone, right? That's the well, point, Seth. Yeah, but Action Park made money. We can too. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, Bethesda, right, sorry. Um, (laughs) what a tangent. Yeah, it kind of fits. So they've had a really complex legal history, and one where, based on our evaluations, what, they were only potentially in the right in maybe two of those cases? Yeah. Uh, Three, maybe if you count the ousted studio head. Uh, We don't, there's not enough information there for us to tell. But the point is, most of their modern lawsuits, or big name lawsuits, have been superfluous, or at the very least, completely unethical. Yeah. Um, the question is, then, they haven't made a whole lot. They're kind of scummy as a company. Well, are the products that they have made enough, in your eyes, to, like, maybe not excuse this behavior, but still find Bethesda, because this is the public perception now, not as bad as other major publishers. I would say no. Mm, yeah, I would agree. But I the problem guess. is that people just don't look that deep into Bethesda because they just want right. the new Elder Scrolls finally. Which they're oh, not going to get for ages. Oh yeah, because all they had to do, all they had for the uh, announcement was like a pan over some mountains. In Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, yeah. They basically just had to add uh, I after the the the, um, the V, and that's it. And just turn RTX on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that uh, that and I in yeah. in the world of the Elder Scrolls is pronounced Yeah. <laughs> but like they didn't even name the game yet. Like you know, Morrowind, no. the Oblivion, Skyrim. But we can all assume it's gonna be Skyrim Two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> there's also there's also Starfield, a sci-fi based RPG that probably is not going to be better than the Outer Worlds, that um, was announced roughly forty five years ago at this point. Um, what joke? Okay. Joke, and that we've seen absolutely nothing from, and which is supposed to precede the Elder Scrolls Six. Hmm, so, yeah. Bethesda, my big issue with them, and we can talk about this far, far more in the Fallout 76 episode that we very likely will have to produce, is their internal ethos towards development, from what I have learned, is exceedingly lazy. Yep. They have one engine, which they do modify, but have not significantly overhauled and have not iterated upon or moved moved on from. Since the days of, like, Morrowind, isn't that right? Um, yeah. Like, the same basic toolkit is running, like, say, um, Skyrim, of course, that ran Morrowind. 
So if you're wondering why, or looking back, you wonder why a lot of the character interactions, facial expressions, the feel and weight of combat in Skyrim was just a little off. It's because at its core, it's a game like 15 plus years older than it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not on the, I don't think it's on the same exact engine. Uh, it's I it's on the same they... base set of tools, I want to say. Well, yeah, but like the engine is improved upon. That's why there's a fan project uh, trans like porting uh, Morrowind and Oblivion to the Skyrim engine. Okay, okay. But yeah. still, it's I, th- I think it's like the the base engine is the same. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes, Gamebryo. Yeah, that's the one. Um, which was created in 1997. Not too much longer before I was born. So, yeah, the the core of Bethesda's games um, is old. It's very, very, very old. Yeah, but the the Bethesda's version of the Gamebryo engine is actually called the Creation. Creation, engine. yes. Very original. Um, and as I understand it, it has not been significantly overhauled since the release of Skyrim in 2011. Um, and they refuse to move on from Gamebryo as like their their the base of their um, development process for future titles. Meaning, a lot of the issues we saw, both with performance and with the overall feel and implementation of systems in earlier Bethesda titles, is unlikely to improve significantly in the future. Also, mm-hmm. due to the fact that, and I'm not saying the developers actually making decisions and creating things on the 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 floor right but a lot of the decisions made by management seem to reflect a general lack of concern for um improvement in or significant iteration on this very rote formula they have for making games if it's released and buggy as all hell or it feels like a game kind of clunky and unpolished that would have come out 20 years ago so be it whatever doesn't matter yeah that was largely the ethos that informed projects like Fallout 76. Yeah, we know it's going to be bad at launch, but hey, you guys will fix it and we'll do some <laughs> stuff too. We, we know it's going to be ba- bad at launch, but don't worry, it's not going to get any better. <laughs> Every time we try to fix something, we'll just end up breaking something else, so good luck. Oh yeah, there was also the issue they had with... uh. Again, antagonism towards fans. They, like, banned somebody who had collected X amount of, like, goods in Fallout 76, ostensibly for cheating, just because he had played that much of the game. You know it's bad when the developer of a game cannot believe that you actually spent that much time with it. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't. No. God, no. (sighs) Um... But all of this is to say my overall outlook on Bethesda as a company is one of general distrust. Yeah. I I loved a couple of their games when I was younger, and I will still hold that uh, Oblivion is, for a console RPG released in the time it was, absolutely phenomenal. Still holds up to this day in a lot of wor- regards. It's a Oblivion. great sandbox to play around in. Oblivion? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, I think my favorite uh, DLC for it was the uh, Shivering Isles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Like, Sheogorath. And I I just, I think I played as much of that DLC as I did the rest of Oblivion. Oh, yeah. Same same here. Exploring everything. And And... I, I accidentally just, like, I installed Oblivion with all the DLCs. And I was uh, playing around, and you know, all of a sudden, there's a little island with a door, and I'm like, "Oh, let's go this mm-hmm. way." And then just, bam, everything started. And I don't think you can even come out until you finish it all. Uh, a certain part of it, I don't think. I think you might have to defeat the gatekeeper first. Oh yeah. Um, which, if you just so happen to wander in at a low level, is really difficult. But the point is that content is wonderfully well crafted. Um, the, uh, anything to do with Jigalog aesthetically and narratively, I adored. 
Um, like, just give me an army of really angry train whistle golems, <laughs> and I, we can have some fun. But it feels like Skyrim, Fallout 4, a lot of their projects since, like, the mid-2000s that they've developed themselves have been really serious steps backwards and clumsy attempts to, like, reach the same crowd with the same model as, say, EA's sports titles or 2K's titles. You know, they really want to reach a point where they can just pump um, easily exploitable um, audiences for as much recurrent user spending as they can. Yep. And, like, a well-crafted story-rich RPG is not the way to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it feels like they're getting lazier and lazier, but also increasingly greedy as, like, an yeah. organization. Most definitely, yeah. yeah I like, honestly don't see... Like, whenever I hear Bethesda or I see Bethesda's name flash up in, in a game, what I'm expecting now is a game that is half-broken, will maybe be fixed <laughs> in the next couple of games, but it's gonna uh, require me to pay a lot of money if I want to play it properly. Or just mod the shit out of it. Yeah. Right. And also, isn't it interesting that they don't seem to complain when uh, people go in and mod their games to fix them? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's like what Skyrim felt to me. Like a really nice bare bones game that you can make good by modding it. Mm -hmm. Because like uh, Oblivion had... Oh, let me check. Uh, Oblivion uh, DLCs? Uh, I Was think it three? It had a lot of very small DLCs, but two uh. substantial story-based DLCs. Knights of the Nine, which was perfectly solid, and then the Incredible Shivering Isles expansion. Yeah. Skyrim yeah. had two and a half substantial DLC packs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they didn't feel like... Like like you said, DLCs, whereas Oblivion still had like legit expansions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I played through Dawnguard. I've not played through Dragonborn yet. I hear it's better, but Dawnguard was not great. It wasn't bad. It was just very bland. Okay. Yeah, I know. That's the best way I can describe a lot of Bethesda's output anymore. It's really bland. It's there. That's it. And you know what so much of this like reflection amounts to for me? Like, let's really put ourselves mentally back in 2005, 2006, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you were playing on console or PC, less so on PC, but seeing RPGs that big, that detailed, and that kind of free form be available to, like, players, in the case of Oblivion being released across so many platforms, more players than ever before... It was incredible, just like the accomplishment of that scope and scale, right? Yeah. Um, and that all of the quests are, you know, deliberately designed. They're not automatically generated, like, say, many of Elder Scrolls II arenas, or even many of Skyrim's were. But the, the appeal and kind of the, the merit of just making a big game with lots of big numbers, has weaned significantly since then. We've seen the release of titles like, you know, The Witcher 3. Titles like, well, most of Obsidian's modern-day output, the Pillars of Eternity games and what have you. Um, even some of the, the jankier titles out of studios like Spiders, right? There's lots of big RPGs now. And... Like, Bethesda's output doesn't hold up so well in an environment where you need to be more than just like, oh, really, really big, to be really, really impressive. Is that... Yeah. Do you guys kind of feel the same way? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Anything else you guys want to add? No. I think if we add anything more, it's going to be in the Fallout 76 episode. Fallout 69 episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that game is not nice. <laughs> Fallout, uh, Fallout Deep Six, maybe. I, I don't. What a game! That's gonna be fun. Yeah. 
That is gonna be fun. Um, no, so final thoughts for today, folks. Final thoughts for me is I wish I could see Bethesda's name pop up a bit less. Yeah, there we go. Definitely they don't inspire any sort of confidence in me. Yeah, fuck Bethesda. <laughs> Until they release a good good game, then then they'll then they're okay. Until the next one they fuck up. Yeah, I think Bethesda just as a developer seriously needs to orient itself towards investigating their extant formula for making RPGs, right? Mm-hmm. And consider what beyond just scope and scale can we do? What can we do to improve quality of life? What can we do to improve polish and performance? Jesus Christ. Um, and also, how can we take this formula and adapt it so that the games themselves feel fresh and present new ideas, new storylines, and new opportunities to players? And how can we make it to where such a game ultimately feels like a fusion of design principles, especially for like world building and narrative, taken from the early 2000s and late 90s? married with um to the incredible capabilities for like smooth polish and remarkably like haptically um fulfilling visceral gameplay that current gen software is capable of attaining mm-hmm. um and as a publisher yeah fuck them uh they do really <laughs> just need to get significantly less aggressive and litigious and i think Defend their IPs, absolutely, but also just come to enjoy occupying the substantial headspace in so many mind palaces that they already do. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Hmm? Free, free tip for Bethesda. Take half of your money that's in your legal fund that you pay the lawyers and put all of it, just all of it, into quality assurance. Yeah. Just- yeah, there you go. Yeah. At least half. At least half the money. <laughs> but like, you see... I, I'm assuming it's a lot. Just all into quality assurance. But you see, transferring that money would require manipulation of, like, a keyboard. And that's really hard to do when you're constantly stuck in a T-pose. <laughs> <laughs> um, all joking aside, thank you all so much for joining us today for the first half in our... I shouldn't exactly say deep like trenchant analysis, but rather just collective reflection on Bethesda Softworks and its associated web of companies. I know I certainly enjoyed this episode and hope you did as well. In the event that you would like to follow this podcast, please do either by following us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iTunes, or heading on over to our YouTube channel at The Over Analysts to subscribe for all episodes of this podcast uploaded in well, there isn't a video component, but uploaded as YouTube videos, along with stream VODs from all three of us and a couple of interesting, hopefully very, very enjoyable new series that we have uh, coming your way in the forthcoming weeks. Exciting. Until next time, thank you all so much for your time this afternoon or evening, as the case may be. Uh, my name is Brady, or The Overanalyst, joined as always by my dear friends Martina or Seth the Overwitch. Good night, everyone. And Mate, or Comrade Potato. Bye-bye. Signing off. I wish you all a wonderful rest of your day and the week ahead. Take care.